We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to discuss the Lakers in transition. In yesterday's pod, we talked about the importance of Russell Westbrook's defense and how that factors into what this team will be. And part of the reason why I hold that belief very strongly is I think we have a chance to be one of the best transition offenses when we really go of all time. We have one of the best rim runners in NBA history in Anthony Davis. We have Russell Westbrook, who's one of the best defensive rebounders and one of the best guards who's able to push the ball up the floor from the guard position. And then we have LeBron James, who's probably the best transition player of all time, even at his advanced age, wreaking havoc, filling the wing, able to fill any number of positions. I want to start with the rebounding component. I want to walk through a fast break and and how it looks. Darius, we've had a lot of guys throughout the history of the Lakers going all the way back to Elgin Baylor, but also Magic Johnson, even a Julius Randle, right? These big guys who are capable of grabbing a rebound and pushing it up court themselves with force and power. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the transition and why having that type of guy gets you into your fast break offense so much better than other teams that rely on bigs to rebound and outlet to a guard? Well, as Pat Riley was so fond of saying, no rebounds, no rings, right? And he said that within the context of the Showtime Lakers teams. And no one understood better than Riley the need to rebound the ball in order to in, in order to transition into offense, right? Not for transition offense, but that that instance where you grab the ball, that is when you're able to then decide you're now on offense. In compounding that, Pete, the instant that you're able to grab the ball, the sooner that you can get the ball up the court, the more advantage you create. And one of the things that I thought made Magic Johnson great as a transition player, wasn't just his ability to grab and go himself, but it was that he always seemed to have a great feel for where the outlet 
should be. Like he was great at circling back to where the outlet pass was and catching the ball while in motion. He was never standing still. Right. And that's one of the things I see with Westbrook a lot as well. It's that he is always in motion, right? And it's, and part of that is because his instinct is as a rebounder. He is not a, oh, the ball is up in the air. I'm standing and watching. He is, the ball is up in the air. I'm moving now because my goal is to go get the basketball. He gets a ton of out of area rebounds because of that, right? There are so many, it's funny when you watch a game and the shot goes up, this is true on every level of basketball. There's always a split second of everybody kind of freezes, even on the court and watches the play. And very few guys have that instinct to, as soon as it's out of their hands, I'm going to move into that position where it's most likely for this ball to, to land. Well, Pete, you made this great video for the Lakers and that there was that play that you highlighted with Kobe Bryant, the game winners, where it was against the Spurs, right? Uh And it was the putback play where the ball got away from Kobe. It ended up in Fisher's hands. Fisher sort of dribbled to the top of the key area and he shot an off-balance shot. But the way you highlighted Kobe moving off of the ball and when the ball is when Fisher is elevating to go up in the air, Kobe's already moving into position. Like I'm going to go rebound. Right. And so that's an example on the offensive end, but on the defensive end, it's just as important to sort of track and chase the ball and the ability to then say, okay, I am an active rebounder. And now I'm going to then turn that into a transition opportunity. That is where I think the brilliance of some of the very specific players that are on the Lakers roster matters the most because you brought up LeBron and I'd love to get Mike's opinion on this because it's something I've been thinking about in terms of the Lakers transition stuff is LeBron is one of the very best transition players ever but he is not one of the most volume driven transition players he does not hunt every transition opportunity that that is there. And what makes LeBron such a great transition player is that he is a little bit choosy. If transition was a buffet, right? LeBron is not, oh, I'm stacking up my plate with every single option that's there. He's just like, oh, you you know what? Today feels like a crab legs day. And so I'm just going to go get the crab legs. Maybe I'll get some some of this too, but I'm not going after everything that's out there. I'm going to be choosy and I'm going to be picky. And because of that, I'm going to be effective. And Russ to me is much more of a volume guy. And he is creating opportunity where opportunity sometimes does not look like it, it exists. And the melding of that is what's going to be super interesting to me when it comes to the idea of the Lakers as a transition team. Because I think in an ideal world, LeBron and Russ would sort of give each other a little bit more of what each other has, right? Russ would become a little bit more choosy and LeBron would be a little bit more opportunistic where they would up their number of transition opportunities, but not to the point where they fall off in efficiency. So with Westbrook, 
specifically, it makes me think a little bit, and this is, I, I hate, this is such a dumb way to do this, but it, it's the thought that's in my head that explains it the best. So I was fast. Okay. And in, in high school, like that was my bet for basketball purposes. That was probably like my best trait, athleticism and speed. I was five, nine, but so every time I would get the ball, I would sprint up the court and, and like, I got, so a lot of the stuff that I got on offense came that way. And eventually as you get up to different levels, I never even got close to the point of even wanting to, uh, or physically being able to explore that. But Russ can still do that at the NBA level. Like that's how fast he is where, and that's the difference even. So LeBron, you know, LeBron is that fast too. He could do it, but Westbrook's motor and the way that he creates advantages for himself and his game is by getting down to the other end of the court first. LeBron can still, LeBron can walk up the court and still get any advantage that he wants. So he therefore can space out the times that he's going to do it. But that's what I think Russ, that that level of explosion um, does allow him to get so many of those easier looks and does allow him to get so many more rim runs than anybody else. The other thing I want to return to, though, is the Pat Riley comment, because so you can't win without rebounding. It makes me think, what does that really mean? Like, what are we really talking about when we're talking about rebounding? And to me, it's like you're almost at the same time saying you can't win without elite athleticism um, at the NBA. Like, because there's, mm. there are different ways mm-hmm. to rebound. But if you don't if you don't have the guys that just physically can beat you to the basketball when they want to, then like that extends to, all, to many other areas of basketball, including defense. So it's a little bit like saying, oh, well, defense wins championships. Why do we say that? It's not necessarily defensive know how. It's like it's it's saying something about the level of and sure IQ comes into it, but just the sheer raw ability to go get a basketball in its own right. And so it's not just like a we have to preach rebounding and defense. We have to preach it. You have to be able to have the LeBron, the AD, the Westbrook, the Dwight Howard. Like there's a reason those guys go high in the draft. And I don't I don't mean to strip basketball down like that, but that is part of what a phrase like that means. Uh, Does that make any sense? It makes total sense. And in context with your point about the type of player that you were, I, because you weren't that tall, I was guarding guys like you. I hated guarding guys like you who would run and run and run. And that's why, Darius, I actually am okay with a little dip in transition efficiency. Give me that in exchange for a lot more volume. Because if you've got those athletes that Mike is talking about running the floor with Russ and LeBron and AD, I'll take the the times per game where that's not going to work out by the sheer volume. Because what was difficult about defending a player like Mike in the, the way that he describes himself was not in the first quarter. Not even the second quarter. By that second half, it was so hard. to. It's, there's an accumulation of that. And I think that to the idea of rebounding, having athletes from perimeter positions, we can, we can win defensive rebounding battles with having Anthony Davis running to the other side of the floor. AD does not have to be involved as much on the boards and can be that leak out guy because Russ is going to drop down. LeBron will drop down and they're interchangeable in a way in terms of like Russ is good at filling the wing. He a lot of times he's getting the rebound, so he doesn't do it that often, but he can fill the wing while LeBron has the ball just as LeBron can fill the wing as Russ has the ball. But to me, I want us running and running and running, even if it doesn't necessarily work at the beginning of the game. I want us to, to really hammer that. So I have a follow-up then about that because AD can leak out more, I think, when he's either playing power forward or when the Lakers are switching a lot. 
Yes. Right? Because if he's playing center and the Lakers are playing more drop coverage, he's going to be around the basket. He's not going to be that guy who is closing out a lot. Now, if the Lakers are in rotation, like it'll happen every now and then. But much less volume, yeah. But much less volume, and it's going to happen more when he is switching or when he's a power forward and he's guarding a guy who is typically trying to space him out. How do you envision these transition opportunities coming about based off of the different types of lineups that the Lakers are going to have. Because I think Russ's Russ's rebounding ability matters so much more and his ability to push matters so much more when you do have Anthony Davis being in different parts of the floor besides just in the paint. Right. Because at some point there is going to be some diminishing returns when it comes to rebounding opportunities like LeBron, A.D. and Russ all aren't going to average 10 rebounds a game. Right. Right. There's only so many rebounds to get. And so I'm trying to figure out what's actually best for this team, because for some of those OKC teams. It was actually best if Steven Adams was a box out player, that he wasn't a high rebound player because him boxing out and basically saying, Russ, go get the ball, enabled some of those transition opportunities. And and so do you see Russ's rebounding mattering more in situations where he's playing like next to potentially a Marcus Saul or where AD is playing power forward? Like, Like, how do you see it manifesting itself? I think that it can work in either situation, but for different reasons. So say that we're playing the Phoenix Suns and it's DeAndre Ayton. I go always go back to game one of the Suns where Ayton won a lot of offensive rebounding battles in particular. And there are these offensive rebounders around the league. You're Tristan Thompson's, it's, you know, these guys that can really crash the offensive glass that you need to account for. You need to put a body on that guy. So if AD is at the five spot and you're spot on with that observation that if he's in a drop coverage, he's not going to be out on the perimeter contesting a three-point shot and then leaking out. So if he is in the paint, AD's job is to box out a DeAndre Ayton. And Ayton is stronger than Anthony Davis, at least in those type of situations. Where Russ becomes advantageous in a fast-break situation in and how you win those, and what we really struggled against with Ayton is not the box out, it's the sandwich rebound from the perimeter player. And the difference between a Dennis Schroeder or a KCP dropping down and Russell Westbrook walk, dropping down AD just needs to put a body on him. And even if he's not the leak out guy, you now have a four on four situation where it's not only AD not leaking out. It also keeps Aiton back there. So who are the four guys back from Phoenix in that situation, Mike? You've got if you say it's a closing lineup situation, all the best guys. So you've got you've got uh, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Bridges, 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 say Crowder, right? Yeah. Those four guys, against athletically, in those situations you're talking about running up and down the floor, how do they handle Russell Westbrook and LeBron James in transition? So even if you take Anthony Davis out of the situation, we're also taking your most physically imposing player out of the situation. So if AD is in the paint and not leaking out, that's why I'm so bullish on this offensive attack is that now you got a four-on-four and we still got the best athletes. Well, and I and, and this is too where this starts as kind of a Westbrook conversation, but it ultimately for me still ends in a LeBron conversation. And it's even when we talk about Anthony Davis in certain contexts on offense. So if you're, if you're playing against a LeBron team and you don't have an actual rim protector on your back line, then you can, you can do all you want, but LeBron eventually we saw it against the Clippers last year. We saw it against the bucks 
including Giannis, like in Kawhi, he will get to the rim. And he still, at this point, we'll see if this ever changes. He still will finish and put enough pressure on it that you're going to either have to foul him or he's just going to score anyway. And that still is, it's back to, it's a little bit similar to the argument I was making about athleticism with rebounding and defense. Like that, that's the fastball. That's in LeBron's got that fastball and nobody has really been able to stop it in a playoff series up until the point where like Golden State could to a degree with Draymond who's in the right place and can block a shot at the rim and KD coming over. Right. And so having like two of those guys to can, can, can kind of like curtail that to an extent, but that, uh, that element, whether it's Phoenix, you just talked about it, it's even more big in transition. And I keep thinking about Brooklyn in this context. Like if they do get to the finals, what Mm -hmm. match, what lineup is Brooklyn is Kevin Durant or Blake Griffin really going to be able to keep, you know, these Laker athletes off of that rim. And or are they going to have to play somebody like Claxton and then they're not the Nets on the other end as much? So it's just these are those these are those conversations that I think we start with transition and then it kind of it it does leak into half court eventually, too. Uh, but, yeah, that, so to get back to Russ, though, on that question, it just what he does, Darius, kind of to your question, I don't even care. It just just push the ball. And that's and like what, whatever the lineups are around you go like go ahead Try to get that initial gap in the defense. And if not, you can always pull the ball back, give it to AD, give it to LeBron, run some action, whatever. But just that constant like drive that he has uh, to me is is such an advantage that they can use to soften the defense initially and not even get into some of those half-court situations. Mike, that's a great point. And it's something I'd love to get into a little bit more, even from an X's and O's perspective with, well, with you too, Pete, because we often think of transition offense as only as sort of this idea of seven seconds or less suns, right? Like the idea of, all right, we're pushing the pace and we're getting a shot, right? We're, we're, we're shooting the ball very quickly, but that's not actually the only goal of transition. In my opinion, the goal of transition is to initiate offense earlier in order to gain advantage and put the defense in a position where now they are not set and they have to scramble more. And so I'd love to get your thoughts on how transition, the idea of quote-unquote transition offense, actually bleeds into early offense, and how that can be more of a linchpin of the Lakers' overall offensive attack rather than this idea of binary, of, oh, they're either a running team or they're a half-court team because the bridge there is early offense and what are some of the Lakers early offense principles that I think that you think are going to be key that build on top of their transition principles, but don't have them defaulting only to half court offense. I love this question. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about that transition from fast break play to your half court offense. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So one of the things and one of the reasons why I want us to run, I'm making this video called Rebound and Run about Westbrook's ability to help on the boards and then get your team into transition and all the ways in which he helps in that. One of the things that I'm going to touch on, but I could do a whole another four or five minutes on in the video if I chose to, is exactly what you asked before the break, D, that idea of how transition bleeds over into half-court offense. And one of the reasons I really want us to push the tempo is that it causes problems even if, like, like you said, Mike, it's not always going to be we run a fast break that ends in Russell Westbrook or LeBron James or Anthony Davis dunking and screaming into the crowd. That's going to happen for sure, but there are going to be plays where – they get back. Phoenix is a very good transition defense team, for example. They're going to get back and they're going to make sure that, that that they match up. The problem with that is that if you push the defense is at its most vulnerable right at that moment where it's, they switch from going on offense to on defense. It's one of my favorite parts of basketball. It's part of what makes it more complex than the other sports. In baseball or football, there's not a play where Aaron Rodgers is all of a sudden on defense unless he threw an interception or a fumble, right? Those are fairly rare. In basketball, it's every single play. If you're putting pressure on them immediately, think of all the cross matches, Darius, right? That might mean they, they may get back, but it might mean that Devin Booker is defending Anthony Davis on this play. And, and so I see our style of play as being a team that pushes the pace. And if that does not work, there's going to be there's going to be two main elements of how we continue the attack. One is to seek out those mismatches. Who got cross-matched on who? Who's the big that's trying to keep up with Westbrook somewhere? Find that and then exploit it. And we're very much, we don't run a lot of motion offense. Like we said, it's it's more attacking mismatches and going to our star players and running offense through them. The other element that I'm really excited about is that is a domain, that space you're talking about, that space between a fast break and a half court offense that early offense is a domain where shooters are very valuable and the ability to set there are all sorts of quick hitting actions in the nba your your pistol slash 21 series your uh delays your you know dribble handoffs and or fake handoffs all of these actions that are in a certain part of the playbook that are we're doing it this at the beginning of a play and we're this is from our part of the playbook that is not after a whistle Right. I've always talked about that, where you have one part of your playbook where it's live action basketball. And this is where you play by principle. These are your pistol sets, your down screens, all of that versus 
after a timeout or after a whistle, that's more set play type of basketball. And so seeking out those mismatches, seeking out opportunities for these new shoot, like you said, a down screen for Wayne Ellington in transition while the defense is going back and scrambling. And now he's got a wing three, Mike. That's something where I, I consider Monk and Ellington if Russ is a battering ram, there are, are are archers, right? There are archers, you know, shooting from long range, but it's that initial pressure on the rim that frees things up for them where I want us to be a high volume transition team. And it's not going to be because every possession is going to end in fast breaks, but it's going to be because that creates opportunities for those types of players as well. It's kind of the same thing I think about with the way that LeBron would use the hit ahead passes. So like, as Darius said, LeBron, he could grab the ball and just go locomotive style, but other times he looks up, Oh, AD's up there. Lob pass to the top. That play almost always seemed to result in a layup, a dunk or two free throws or in, in that right there is your offensive possession. And that's you're you're basically maximizing the points per possession on a play like that. So that, that play should still be there. But now what happens when Russ is the one that grabs a rebound and he's pushing. So AD can still run and then he's got to be occupied. And then Russ almost, so Pete, you've got the archers on the side and then Russ is, I don't know what Russ is some other element there. He's like the running back behind the fullback. You he's, know? Well, he's the, he's the battering ram, right? He's the guy yeah. that's putting that pressure and he's, you know, like he's softening things up for those guys. Or, or, or this is what I'm saying though, or AD can like, so if Russ is getting the rebound, AD or LeBron can leak out and that Amen. and they're the, they're the bad ram. Russ is going and then Russ is coming downhill. And if you're already trying to account for AD, then Russ is just going to go all the way to the rim. And and that's that's the element that they didn't have as much last year because LeBron typically is the one that's making the pass. And nobody else had that type of force as a dribbler ball handler that was on the roster. In fact, very few guys in the league have that kind of force. In transition, you know, you think of a, a healthy John Wall um, is one, but there there aren't that many players with that level of speed and height, you know, like kind of that that um, and when we were talking to Royce Young, Pete, like Russ is so strong also at that speed and that height. So that, that's that's the thing where like watching some of the Kobe stuff that you put together and even the dunk. So I, I watched the Kobe versus Toronto game, right, with the three, the back to back to back threes to tie it and then the dunk in overtime. When he when Kobe would turn the corner, same thing with LeBron or Russ, like he doesn't even see the help defense because they're not going to be able, even if they come over and even if they like grab the arm, he's still going up through that. And that and that's the an, another kind of exciting part, I think, of Russ's game once he gets downhill, is that that part of the burst. So yeah, there, there's so many little branches that we can p- peel off of this tree uh, about the transition part with Russ that are that are enticing to think about. And it just made me think of the one with AD and like how, because you don't want him to stop that push because he still has the ability, the height, the catch, all that. But now if he's got Russ, whether he's right behind him or beside him or what or whatnot, um, it's another element that the Lakers haven't had in, in previous years. I love the idea of running for all of these different purposes and not just for dunks and layups, right? And all of the ways in which when – Fast break basketball is a real pillar of your offensive attack, how that bleeds into all aspects of your offensive game in order to get everyone going. One of the things I really appreciate about Russ is, and I appreciate this about LeBron too, is that when they are pushing, they are democratic 
in their approach to finding the open player, right? Mm -hmm. And they are very good at saying, okay, well, I'm getting down downhill. And LeBron has done this so often is he uses he uses his teammates who are doing one thing in order to leverage that to open up some someone else right and so you'll often see lebron look at lebron when he's running and he's throwing like a lob to anthony davis but he's not going full speed and this is a transition play one of the things lebron will do is he will sort of lurk and spot shooters who are running to the three three point line and he will use the threat of the pass out to them in order to open up something for AD or he will use the threat of AD in order to open up something for the shooter and yeah. and Russ is super capable and and does this a bunch as well he he will do the same things because as players who are born and raised as transition players, right? These are dudes who have been able to do the, who have been able to wreak havoc in the open court pretty much their entire lives. They didn't grow into being dominant athletes. They've been dominant athletes from the time that they picked up a basketball, basically. And so the amount, and you mentioned this on a previous pod, Pete, but the number of reps that you get in transition and honing that skill right we don't like we often think think about oh like all the shooting drills that someone does or the ball handling drills or oh i do the mic and drill and that helps you like with your touch around the basket well think of all the reps that these dudes have gotten in transition think about all of the times that they've seen a defender do this or that or this guy is stepping up where's my angle my my angle is is to the right side corner or i feel the trailer coming up behind me and so i'm jump stopping and i'm pivoting and i'm shoveling the ball back these dudes have all of that in their open court repertoire as ball handlers and as shot creators and to think about how vogel and lebron and russ and ad how those guys are i i think that they're going to say we're going to build towards this this is what we want to be as as a team and the the idea of russ being able to say i can i can fill a lane i can initiate this i can grab and go i can grab and kick ahead and fill behind there's so many different things that russ will have the opportunity to do as a transition player on this version of the lakers that he may not have been able to do because he's literally doing a spider-man meme with lebron when it comes to how effective he can be in transition as like a player and and with a teammate. And then you've got AD who is just sort of just like, hey, yeah, well, guess what? I'm elite at this too in my own way. And AD is also a grab and go player too. And that with respect to Russ in particular, I love the, the point that you made about like the reps in transition. I'm going to try a, a, perhaps a, a, a poor but Darius style analogy here. In my younger days, I would occasionally make a drive out to Vegas. And there's, if you've ever been on that drive, there's almost nobody out there. And you could really get going. You know, I, I hit 100 a couple times on that drive. And 
if you've ever done that, if you've ever gotten your car going real fast and then you slow back down to 80 miles an hour and it's like, it feels like 45 miles an hour, that 80 miles an hour. It's, it's strange. It's different from going, going from hundred to 80 miles an hour versus going from 60 to 80 miles an hour. All right. Well, Russell Westbrook is a race car driver. Russell Westbrook spends his days going 200 miles an hour. And that looks the way that probably 70 miles an hour looks to me. And so the ability to process decisions that like Russell Westbrook does everything fast and it is his normal. That's something that really stood out to me on tape. I didn't realize what a good outlet passer he is. Those hit aheads to AD that LeBron always does. Russell Westbrook's very good at that pass too. But what stood out to me more than anything is Mike, that idea that he is comfortable and in that, wow, 80 miles an hour doesn't seem too fast type of space in ways that other people are not. And he's able to take advantage because of that. So I will, okay. So let me, let me put a premise forth for a second here, but the nicer the car that you're in, right? The, the speed that you're driving, it doesn't seem as fast. Or or, yes. or so I hear, right? So I, I've never had a fast, <laughs> like high performing um, car like that. Now I did recently get an electric car, so I'm so that is a fast car just by nature. But the like, so Russ, the engine that he has, he just had like he doesn't have to get into fifth gear. It's it's just there. Like he's got the fast car, right? And and he's engaged like that. So that speed comes, and that's the that's the sinewy athleticism burst type stuff that it just looks so fluid. And where all of a sudden, if you look up, and this 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 ties into the point you made the other day about being courtside, that's the thing that you see. Where all of a sudden he goes from hands on the ball rebound to he's at the three point line, and you're not like it doesn't quite make sense um, how fast he engaged it to get there. The other player that I was thinking of that we have to give a shout out to in this sense is Lamar Odom, though, and not just as a as a grab and go guy. Now, not again, not a huge burst as an athlete but just so fluid and so long and so smart and such a good passer. Like there were some, some magic elements to that. Westbrook is more like the high performance car though, where, where like, it's just the bursting down there. And unless there, unless you have the athletes to, uh, to counter that or the length or whatever it might be, it's, you're just going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. Like it's where Frank Vogel has to, on that Houston scouting report has to spend considerable time you know, even with the athletes the Lakers had during that title run on this is what you have to do with Russ to the point where even Russ isn't going to look at it quite as much. But like that takes time to break down over a series uh, and and that there is a counter to it, Darius. But but like regular season game, it's really difficult to handle. The idea of having a nice car isn't just like, oh, like I'm in my own body and I'm an elite athlete. That idea when you were saying that, Pete, my thought went to all of the weapons that Russ is going to have as a transition player and operating in the middle of that and being like, oh, well, I can go as fast as I want and now everyone else is coming with me, right? And it's not like I'm out there by myself. It's interesting because this isn't an idea that we've gotten into a bunch on like the pod during Westbrook week, but we've talked a bit offline about this the idea that somehow the Lakers are worse off for acquiring a player of Russell Westbrook's caliber, right? Like that this is a move, this is a move that's been frowned upon around the league as as this idea like, oh, well, yeah, we're discounting the Lakers a little bit more now 
because they are because they got Russell Westbrook, who is a super polarizing player. And I get the polarization part of of his game. We've gone we've had a whole week of podcasts talking about how good he is at some things and how other things he's not as good and how it's we're very much wait and see. I feel like on some of the flaws that he has and not expecting those things to just turn around just because he's on a better team now or in a different environment or anything like that. But the idea that the Lakers got a super talented player and are worse is not something I really go for particularly when I'm targeting very specific parts of the game and transition is one of those parts. It's this idea of, no, man, you've got super elite athletes now. And while the intensity is going to be different, I think of it almost like an all-star game where, yeah, Russell Westbrook is in the middle. Anthony Davis is running middle lane and LeBron James is, is filling right or left wing, right? That is the foundation of the Lakers transition attack is those three things right there. You can put any other people on the court to fill the other roles in that transition part, and it's going to look pretty freaking spectacular when everyone is on the same page as to what their specific tasks are within their assignments, right? And I think back to like all-star games where Russ and AD and LeBron have all played together, maybe on the same team or on different teams. And this idea of, nah, man, we're getting up court. I'm running, I'm kicking to you, and now it's literally two steps and you're at the basket. Or I'm throwing a lob and I'm throwing that from 35 feet because you're up there with me. And so that idea of of the race car analogy and how good and how nice your car is and how seamless it can feel when you're driving 85, 90, 100 miles per hour when your suspension is made out of freaking whatever it's made out of that makes it so that your car is super expensive. You don't feel that. People on the outside feel that. Have you been on the freeway and had a sports car (laughs) drive by you in the fast lane while you're sort of going 65 or 70 and you feel like, hey, I'm going fast. I just passed these cars that are in the slow lane. And suddenly this dude going 95 passes you and you're like, holy Holy, shit. You feel it. Yeah, you you feel it. I felt felt that when I moved to L.A. Uh, Not didn't happen as much in Minnesota, to be honest with you. But, uh, man, it happens a lot here. Uh, my first, my first freeway experience here was was actually uh, okay. This is getting way inside baseball. Um, our fans in Australia are probably not relating to this. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call short the analogy and just say, just agree with your point that yes, people flying by you uh, is disarming in any walk of life. <laughs> well, and, and so, but the person who is passing everyone going that fast, they feel that a little bit. But I guarantee you, the people who are getting passed feel that a. Oh, hell of a lot more and the lakers as a transition team they have the potential to be that team that is flying by a bunch of other guys and the impact that can have you're not going to intimidate a bunch of other nba players but there is that adjustment period of like oh damn they're they're playing a different way and That idea of one of the things that I've always been interested in, and Mike, you've talked about this a lot, is is that the Lakers get everyone's best effort 
and this random Tuesday game in the middle of March, that doesn't really mean anything when you're in, you know, wh- whatever city. That game could be like their Super Bowl. And for the Lakers, it's just sort of just like, all right, well, this is game four in an eight-game road trip, right? The Lakers, though, they now have the potential to bring something to the table that makes other teams unprepared for what they're bringing to the table. And honestly, it's been a long time, I feel like, since the Lakers could say that they're going to be that team that has the the weird variable that other teams have to prepare for, right? There's, there's always a talent this, yeah. piece. Yeah. There, there's always a talent piece, but there's never a style of play thing that I feel like is, oh, this is weird, right? It's the other team now that has been like, oh, okay, well, we've been playing every other team in the league, and now here comes the super transition team that is the Lakers that feels like it has the potential to be different this year. That's such a good point. I hadn't even thought of that, right? That was something where we talked about those microball Houston Rockets teams where if you played them in a seven-game series, you could prepare for it. Really difficult team to play as a one-off in the middle of the season. And This Lakers team can be that in part because we have these three top-end transition players, but we haven't even gotten into Kendrick Nunn, Kent Bazemore, and THT. Kendrick Nunn is phenomenal in transition. He's got holes in other parts of his game, but he is He's a really high-end guard in that respect. Bazemore is going to run the floor. He's going to have that ability to knock down those open threes, but also fill a lane. We talked about LeBron filling one of those lanes. Could very well be Bazemore on the other end of it or or none. And that's why the top-end talent with also complementary talent underneath it, I think that this is a style of play that we should really commit to this year. And that's going to be my mantra for the season is rebound and run. So uh, tomorrow we'll be back. We already recorded. Mike alluded to it earlier. We had an interview with Royce Young from ESPN who covered Russ in OKC for years and years. And it's one of my favorite interviews that we've done on the pod. He was great. So please tune in uh, to that tomorrow on the next episode of the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the a lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the score. move. Two, one, miss it. Bryant, unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! 
James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.